Welcome to today's episode of Where Work Meets Life on humanizing work for a better world. Our two guests today are both uh, working at SAP and living in the USA, and they are both from the field of industrial organizational psychology, which is my field. I'm delighted to have Dr. Stephen Hunt on the show, who is a thought leader on the intersection of work, technology, and psychology. He is definitely all about bringing technology into organizations to improve experience, engagement, inclusion, and well-being. He has written a couple of books and he focuses on creating human resource solutions that can influence and positively impact millions of employees working in thousands of companies around the globe. Robert Richardson, uh, his colleague also at, at SAP, is all about bringing transformations to organizations that impact well-being, profitability, and uh, sustainable impact. So he serves as human experience advisor at SAP, and he works with hundreds of clients, so companies, states, federal agencies, around the next generation of recruiting and talent management capabilities. He's also a startup alumni and enthusiast. Welcome to Where Work Meets Life, both of you. Great, Thank you. thanks to be here. So I'm excited about this topic because I feel that there is a lot of room to humanize work and workplaces. So I'm going to start by asking you to tell me about how each of your work contributes towards better workplaces. Um, yeah, well, I'll start. And Robert and I, it's funny, we've worked together for quite a while. I think we've worked together really well because although we come from different backgrounds, we have very similar views and passions that complement each other. And I think, Robert, you can tell me if this doesn't capture this answer correctly. But I'd say the work that we do at SAP is it enables us to use technology to apply better psychological principles to manage more effective work. And that's kind of the thing in my own whole career. So I started out like you, Laura, as an industrial organizational psychologist, but I actually was a computer programmer, a really bad one, before I went into social <laughs> science. But I had this really understanding of technology and its impact on work and gravitated very quickly to technology as a way to influence and shape the experience employees have at work, enabling better decisions, better interactions, better conversations. And that's what's kind of really exciting about our work at SAP, which is in my past career, I've done executive coaching and stuff like that. We have a big impact, you know, on a few people, but through our work by inf positively influencing the design and use of technology for things like hiring, pain, coaching, we have an influence on literally millions of people around the world. And I do believe that we are making the world better for them. That's where I get a lot of passion from the work I do. Robert, does that capture your passion too, or do you have a slightly different take on it? No, I think you said it really well. I think the, you know, the fascinating thing about this industry is that, you know, we can leverage technology to humanize work. And, and I know sometimes those are uh, contrasting items and, you know, in, in public discourse. But, you know, I've always found it fascinating how technology can be used to make uh, your life simpler, easier, you know, and uh, more productive. And so I 100% agree with that, that statement. Yeah, it's yeah. well said. 
I think, yeah, just, just to add on to Robert, you on that point, and you guys, just, Laura, you've worked with us, Robert, and I was ending each other's sentences um, <laughs> or adding more sentences to them. Um, <laughs> the latter. The latter. The latter is, uh, no, no, I think one of the things, too, though, I think in a lot of the work that, you know, that we've done together is trying to get both our customers, the HR organizations, but also even more so employees, job candidates to understand that technology, when you approach it the right way, really can enhance your ability to find work. I mean, whether that's more effective use of the internet, more effective use of technology for coaching and um, employee engagement. But a lot of it is about how to use the technology the right way. That's a key to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and which one oftentimes, speaking of adding on, but which ones oftentimes, you know, I mean, when you go out into the marketplace as, as an organization, you know, there is so much technology out there at, at your disposal. And each company is so incredibly unique that it can become overwhelming. You know, I, I often uh, call it the, uh, you know, the Campbell Foods aisle, uh, you know, death by, by decision. You know, you came there and you just want, a, you know, a can of Campbell noodle soup. And uh, next thing you know, you've seen 50 different cans and you don't know what you want anymore, you know. And, and so we often help organizations define their goals, understand what they're trying to accomplish. And then we're really matching uh, different technologies to different human experiences that organizations need to fulfill. And I think that's that's so important because, I mean, face it, technology is everywhere and such a fabric of our workplaces today. So going yeah. back to work in general, why does work matter? And tell us about your podcast called Work Matters. So do you want to go first this time, Robert? Sure. Yeah, well, um, it's a little unfair because it was Steve's idea. Uh, but Steve, uh, you know, I uh, approached me some time ago. And, uh, and if you don't mind, Steve, he, he had this vision of uh, creating a podcast that we just weren't seeing in the industry. And, uh, you know, it was this concept that there are so many conversations that people like us are having with uh, industry professionals, you know, CHROs, uh, you know, leaders of, of uh, uh, you know, talent technologies. And, you know, these conversations that, that we're privy to don't always make it out into the public discourse, you know, and so you're working with, uh, on top of that, these uh, technology providers who have spent their entire life trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to make work better. Right. And, and they, they developed a technology and it all kind of lives in this microcosm of HR. But wouldn't it be neat if there was some additional transparency there so that the worker who, uh, you know, benefits from technologies like these and processes and ideas that people have uh, could really hear from those people directly as well. And uh, and really, you know, get tips and tricks that can that mm -hmm. can help because work affects everything right work affects your self-esteem uh it affects your family's self-esteem because it affects your family interactions when you get done uh, if you've had a stressful day it affects your health your social relationships and so there's almost nothing that work doesn't impact and so how neat would it be to uh, start to turn the tables right and really share some of this wealth of information that we're hearing from uh, hr professionals and hr technology providers solving real problems for real people yeah. yeah, I think it's sort of building on that. I mean, really, Laura, what inspired me and was that we do talk to a lot of these, often they're founders of companies, but not necessarily, but people that have devoted a large part of their life to solving a specific issue or work problem at work. And 
Just to give you an example, like one of the very first episodes we did is a woman named Elise Glink, who has a company called Best Money Moves. And the it's a company about financial well-being. And when we talked to her, I said, well, why did well, we start every episode the same way? Why does this matter so much to you? And she talked about how she grew up with her grandfather who was interested in finance. And she's always an interest in the impact that financial well-being has on people's happiness. And she knew so much about, regardless of her technology, about why people get into financial problems and why they don't talk about it and how we need to talk about it. And it was just, I'm like taking notes for myself, right? <laughs> and what we realized in the Work Matters is that, you know, most of the work that we do in our day-to-day -day job, we're talking a lot to HR people and HR technology people, but we're not talking to the actual end user of our technology, which is just a person working. Just a regular candidate, a regular employee, but there's so much knowledge that is sort of embedded in this technology that's just useful as advice. I think the other one, I remember like um, Robert, the one we did with the a founder of the company called Zap Info, who was yeah, sharing Doug that Doug Berg, yeah, it was yeah. like amazing. He was telling me that, look, on average, you have to apply to 30 jobs before you get an interview and you shouldn't feel bad that you didn't get a job. And he said, you should be constantly applying. And he shared all this information because he's in this technology. I turned around and share that with my kids immediately. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm like, and so that's what the work matters. Why it's been so exciting is taking this knowledge and helping people. And it's Laura, how, you know, you did a great podcast with you about remote. I was going to say, we had this great podcast yeah. with this uh, person named Laura Hanley as well. So. <laughs> and so if you go at the, if you go at the podcast, we really try to focus on one specific part of work and talk to somebody who's often devoted years, just thinking about that problem and then having them provide advice. And it's, I mean, it's been amazing how much you learn when you talk to people at that level. So it's been really, really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's just a great podcast. I'd highly recommend it, especially the remote work matters episode. That is right. one of the best for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that financial one I was listening to is very eye opening. So I agree. And that's episode one, I think. So it's a good place to start at the top of the episodes. Um, so my next question is about the whole notion of the extent to what what's good for people. So the extent to what's good for people is also good for the organization, right? So this this thinking of, you know, treat your people well, focus on their wellness, and is that good ultimately for the organization and why? Yeah, well, this, this one, we, you know, it is a great time to be in the field of HR because the answer to this question would have been different 150 or 200 years ago. It, and this is where technology has actually had a really positive aspect on work. It used to be a lot of jobs were basically shut up and do what you, we tell you to do. You know, dig these ditches, move these bricks, pick these plants, right? And that lent itself to really exploitive work because you basically were, you, you were using humans as machines, you know, mm -hmm. go dig coal, right? <laughs> it was, <sighs> yeah. you know, these very difficult, yeah. hard jobs. What has happened because of technology is we are automating the inhuman part of work, the repetitive, physically damaging part of work. And what we're employing people to do now is to do the things that are uniquely human. Companies want people to provide excellent service. You know, no technology can actually ever care for another person. Only people can care about people. Mm 
So we're focusing on like companies hiring people that have really good service to be really creative, to be really innovative and collaborative. You know, technology can solve problems, but it can't decide what problems should be solved. You know, mm -hmm. so it, the so you're looking at this, but the thing that this has shifted and why employee experience is becoming so critical, and this is so good for employees, this is why it's so nice, is that we can't be highly creative, highly caring if we don't feel good. You know, I, it, we, there's a concept in psychology and Lori Fogger's emotional labor, which mm -hmm. is, it is very exhausting and ineffective to try to act a way that you don't internally feel. And I always use the example when I'm talking to like our customers, it's like, you know, if you ask somebody to smile, if you make smile and you know, you make that fake smile and it feels fake because it is, we cannot authentically smile if we don't feel good. There's muscles in our face that we can't control consciously. And this is true with being really creative. We don't do it well when we're really stressed. And so we're in a place in the world right now where it truly is alignment between what is good for employees. When employees feel good, they feel well supported, they feel healthy. That's when they're really creative, collaborative, service oriented. Right? It's not just about engagement and retention. It's about you know being effective in the role. And this is wonderful that we've reached this place where these things have aligned because this wasn't true in history. Well, and, and that's so well said and the, and the sort of bring it full circle to it. It's fascinating that what ends up being good for the individual then ends up being good for the company as well. You know, and, and in my intro, you, you mentioned that I am interested in profitability, right? You know, there, there's this concept out there that, you know, again, what's good for the individual is good for the company produces great profit, you know, and, and it just all the, every time I think about this, I don't know why, but, um, but you know that poster, uh, everything I ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten? Mm -hmm. it, it just, it always pops into my head. It's like, well, you know, amazing. How, how amazing is this? That if you treat people right, you end up with more productive, happier, healthier employees who then turn around and produce more mm -hmm. profit for the company that treated them well. It yeah. just, how amazing is that? I think there's a point too that Robert, when we look at this, it's about aligning company and employees because there's nothing good as an employee for working for a financially struggling company. <laughs> you know, that, that's not good either. So to have a really good employee experience, you want to work for a company that's making money. Um, so, but it, but it used to be very confrontational between these two and it's still i yeah. want to say i'm not being pollyannish there are still companies that are exploitive it still does exist but what you're finding is the companies that are really adaptable that are really agile that are surviving these changes are the ones that treat their employees really really well you're even seeing this in the pandemic the companies that are doing the best right now are the ones that did not lay off masses of people mm -hmm. or if they had to like furlough them they kept their benefits which mm -hmm. in the U.S. is a huge mm -hmm. thing, you know. So yes. they really thought about this. It wasn't like, oh, you're just a commodity we're going to get rid of. And so yeah. you, increasingly what's happening is um, the companies that treat their employees well are the ones that are agile, adaptable, and successful, and the ones that treat employees as mm -hmm. though they're a commodity are happily going out of business. <laughs> and word <laughs> spreads, right? We know that word spreads about who are the great employers and yeah. who are the, the crappy ones to work for. And mm -hmm. I remember when I did my uh, 
dissertation. So it was called my um, my examinations pre-dissertation. And wow, I'm blocking out candidacies. And one of my <laughs> questions on doctoral candidacy, candidacies was, is a happy worker a productive worker? And in academia, the answer is like, yes, but with caveats, right? So mm-hmm. there's always like lots of uh, research you have to cite and whatnot, as you, you would know, of course. But I think in the end, I, I would truly say that, yes, a happy worker is more productive but it's not just about happiness it's about fulfillment and and purpose isn't it It, it, it's about good stress you know you think the most effective workers they're stressed because it's like there's stuff they want to get done but it's a positive stress it's not a negative and it really is this this balancing act but um we we really are it's we're in a very good place with work and i think this is something that a lot of employees don't understand currently that actually, if you work for a good employer, they care about your well-being. They they want you to be healthy, and they there is you know there's challenges, and this is something that we get into some of our work matters podcasts where we talk about what's the right way to talk about things like if you're struggling with mental health issues, mm-hmm. which is a very sensitive topic, and you do have to be careful because not every company embraces this. So, but a lot increasingly more and more do um, because they know it's good for them. Healthy employees or make healthy companies. Absolutely agreed. So my next question is, how can workplaces become more human centric? So maybe if you could think of just one way each that workplaces could be more human centric, something. Oh, my gosh, just one. I know there's about 100. (laughs) but You know, so if we just do one, um, I would say, you know, there's this massive debate right now about the efficacy of machine learning in organizations. And, and a theme of, of our conversation today a bit has been uh, technology and the interplay between technology and, and workers. And I think, you know, being cautious to leverage machine learning uh, almost as, uh, you know, a, a machine learning tattletale, uh, as I like to call it, is you know, is is great because we have this real challenge with machine learning that, you know, people uh, are constantly debating. Is it is it going to increase bias? Is it going to decrease bias? Right. Is it going to make us more productive? And so I think being really, really thoughtful today about how these new modern tools can engineer, like Steve was saying, um, some of the manual, uh, painful, less human pieces of your role out of the job, uh, while at the same time ensuring that that machine learning algorithm or another one is actually monitoring for negative impact like bias and and things like that. I think if we're really cognizant about how these new tools function and how they even monitor one another, we can really engineer out a lot of the, the tasks that people hate most in their career, like right, every job has a portion that stinks. Um, and wouldn't it be neat if a machine could do that for you while at the same time uh, not removing the parts that make us human and, uh, and, and reducing bias at the same time? Yeah, I think that's a good point. If something can be automated, arguably it should be automated because it's repetitive and repetitive tasks aren't good for people mentally or physically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's good for us is when we're learning, when we're challenging, when we're growing and contributing. I think the well, the other what I'd say is it's really is Laura about changing assumptions. If you look across the board, the things that employees want, we want transparency. Mm-hmm. So maximize transparency. Why can't you tell everyone how much everyone else is paid? Mm. 
start with that because often the reason you can't is because you're not paying them fairly. And and there's been research on this. I mean, again, but start with always try to maximize transparency and really challenge on why are we not being transparent on how we make hiring decisions, how we make pay decisions, how we make struck jobs, you know. And then the second one is maximize flexibility. Um, And we're seeing this. This is a benefit of coming out of the pandemic is it challenged companies about Mm -hmm. this idea. Oh, we all have to commute like lemmings every day into an office. And thank goodness it's like companies are going, this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Technology allows us to be way more flexible than we were mm-hmm. in the past. And people like that. Flexibility is freedom. Give, let me do my job the way that I want to. And um, But you got to be really transparent about what it is you want people to do <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So or, and not clear, right? Clear yeah. and transparent. And yeah. So those two really go together, looking at ways to use technology to make things more transparent about what we want you to do and how we evaluate you. Because yes, we do evaluate employees. That's not the issue, but how we do and very transparent around what the job involves and what the rewards involve. But then as flexible as we possibly can using technology to let people decide what makes sense for the way they do work and not just forcing them to do work because that's how we do it around here. Which, by the way, on an inclusiveness basis, most jobs historically were designed the way somebody who outsourced all their family care responsibilities to a spouse would design them, (laughs) which is why we've had such issues with, you know, gender inclusiveness. so we have really have an opportunity to challenge that. Lots of opportunities. And I think we've covered a lot of really good ground in part one of, of our podcast here. And thank you so much for sharing about the intersection of technology, well-being, organizational health and wellness, and the bottom line being human-centric matters and humanizing work matters. So thank you very much, you two, for your time today. And we look forward to part two of Humanizing Work for a Better World, which will air in a couple of weeks. Thank Thank you. you. This has been fun. Thank you as well. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.